listen to me two weeks in a row now. I don't know if that's actually if ever, I don't know if that's actually happened if you've had to listen to me two weeks in a row throughout my, couple, throughout my years here. So it's been one week, then about a month off, then you hear me for one other week, and then you may not hear me for another two months. So, but two weeks in a row. But as always, grab your Bibles. We're going to be in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. And if you have a digital Bible, I'm reading out of the ESV. If you're the type to keep up with the translation, I'll be reading out of the ESV. And so you'll also hear me, I don't want to say I'm going to be, I guess you can say I'm going to be a little bit repetitive. I'm going to share some stories with you you may have heard in the past, but again, that was months ago, so I'm hoping you did not remember. So... As always, right, when I'm preparing a sermon, I'm doing research, I'm looking up stories and things like that, and I ran across an article, and I've shared this article with you in the past. It was written by Michael Horton. It was an article about the ordinary Christian life. And he says this, Radical, epic, revolutionary, transformative, impactful, life-changing, ultimate, extreme, awesome, emergent, alternative, innovative, on the edge, the next big thing, explosive breakthrough. Then he continues on in the article and he says, whatever happened to ordinary? Whatever happened to ordinary? And the whole point of the article was, is that uh, for many of us, right, the Christian life following Jesus, it's, it's a very ordinary thing, right? Uh, a lot of times, uh, Many of us, or including myself, right, we get caught up in the, the big show or the lights and, and all these things, the big one miraculous event, and that's going to transform us, change us, and set us on a path of a life full of destiny and prosperity. But for many of us, we know that's just not reality, right? For many of us, we know we wake up, we work, we go home, have a good dinner, watch a little bit of TV, relax, enjoy time with our spouse or grandchildren or children or pets, go to bed, and then repeat, right? Or we've spent 50-plus years working really hard to enjoy the fruits of our labor now, right? And we are enjoying grandchildren and all those things, vacations, right? Cruises, Tom knows this very well. Mr. Worldwide, really, to be honest. He's, he's seen the world. It really has, right? And so, so we're enjoying that. So we try to read the Bibles, the Scripture when we can. We try to pray when we can, right? For many of us, right, where we say, you know, I heard one quote, uh, I think it was by John Piper. It was this idea of, you know, we, get on, we, we always tell Christians, read, you know, make sure you're reading the Bible, read the Bible. And for many of us, we want to do those things, but many times we just get lost track of time because we're so busy with work, family, and friends, very ordinary Many even may say mundane things, right? But one thing I want us to understand, and one thing we're going to harp on today, is growing in intimacy with Christ does not occur, again, through one miraculous event, but everyday faithfulness to Him. It has nothing to do with money, age, being married or single, one's gender, politics. It has everything to simply recognize your need for a Savior and submitting to His Lordship every day. It's not done in front of a whole bunch of people. Pursuing Christ's intimacy with Jesus is how we live behind closed doors. Because that's who we truly are. 
is how we act and live through clo- behind closed doors. So the main idea of today's message is this. Growing in intimacy with Jesus is carried out in community, through reading scripture, through prayer, through living in humility, through working hard and caring for others. And as I read that main idea, that's it's a very simple concept. Those are things we've all probably heard growing up, right? Again, it's the emphasis of following Jesus is everyday faithfulness. For many of us, it's just being faithful with where we're at, very much ordinary living. And so that brings us to our text today in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. We're going to pick up in verse 6. But as always, you know, there's three things I like to lay out. I made it into a joke and I get made fun of it. It's a context, context, context. I almost forgot it there for a second, right? And so the background of today's text is this, is the Apostle Paul's writing a letter to the church in Thessalonica. And they're having really issues, real big issues, serious issues. And you know what one of the issues is? Is some people don't want to work. In the text, you're going to see the word idle or idle throughout the text. Now, when you read that, I don't want you to think lazy. I want you to think just being irresponsible, not taking up your responsibilities, no, not doing the things that they know they should be doing. So it's not necessarily lazy. So that's the big issue. Some of them, people just don't want to work. And so this is what Paul is going to be kind of hitting at throughout the text. And so join me in verse 6. And the word says this. Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accordance with the tradition that you received from us. And I want to pause there really quick and just lay this out. As Paul is saying, hey, just be cautious of people who are professing Christians, but are a little irresponsible. Right? He says, be, just be wary of them. He's not saying to excommunicate them, don't talk to them, don't engage them, don't throw them out of church. That's not what he's saying, and I'm actually going to speak about that a little bit more. He, he rehashes that issue. He's not saying that. He's just saying, hey, be cautious of those who are followers of Jesus who are just like choosing not to work, who are just kind of being there. They're being irresponsible. They're not doing the things they know they should be doing. Just be wary of that. I remember when I was uh, leading a youth group, and I emphasized, uh, I introduced an idea to them that blew their mind. I said, you do realize work is not sinful, right? They're like, they they didn't believe that. They're like, no way. I said, if you think about it, if you look at the creation account, right, if you look in Genesis, work enters into creation before sin does. Right? One of the first things God does is he gives Adam a job. He gives him an assignment. He says, hey, go take care of these animals. I want you to name them. He gives them a job. Right, and so when I introduced that, so they were blown, like they, they, they couldn't believe me. I said, yes, yeah, so the schoolwork actually isn't bad. Like, it's not sinful. It's actually kind of good for you. Like, it's not wrong. And so, again, that's, and that's one of the things that Paul is emphasizing, is work, is, it is good. It is not sinful. It is something that we should rejoice in. And so you, now you may wonder, what is work, right, and, and working hard, and, and being responsible, not irresponsible, what does it have to do with pursuing Jesus, well, one is, is that we serve a God who works. Creation, right? As I said, he, he gives Adam a job to do about the incarnation, right? We know that we don't serve a God who is up in heaven with his arms crossed looking down on us, right? He, he takes on human flesh and dwells among us. 
And what's even more beautiful is we look at this in the desert, right? When Jesus is in the desert, he's walking, and we see he's, he gets tempted. One of the things he actually gets tempted with is a life of wealth and majesty and power, and he denies it. Instead, what do we know? What, what was Jesus, his occupation? He was a carpenter. He was a blue-collared worker. So Jesus worked, right? And so we see that we serve a God who works. And so, like I said, for many of us, work for us, right, in different seasons looks different. That could be caring for children or waking up, going to a nine-to-five, right, or loving our spouse well. Those things require work. They are work. All right, that sounds kind of bad. Not, you know what I mean, though. Right, but what, what I'm getting at is this, is that we must learn how to glorify Christ and find rest in him in the midst of the work. Our jobs are not simply an ends to a means, but an opportunity to love God a bit better and love our neighbor a bit better. And so we serve a God who works, and we have to learn how to find rest in the midst of the work. And that's one of the ways in which we grow in intimacy with Jesus. It's again, it's a very ordinary, very simple idea. Join me in verse 7. We're going to be verses 7 through 9. And the word says this. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you. Nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with toil and labor we worked night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. Verse 9. It was not because we do not have that right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. So we see a big word, two big words that keep being emphasized, being idle and imitate. Imitate. And so what we see, what Paul is saying here is that, hey, church, I've come alongside you, I've lived alongside you, and what's one thing that I did? I worked. I didn't take necessarily money from you. He's even saying, like, hey, if I wanted to kind of borrow, take some money from you to live off of so I can feed you or, you know, spiritually and lead you, right? I, I could, I've done that problem, but I didn't because I wanted to show you how you should live. I wanted to show you that you need to, we're in a position where you got to work hard, you got to provide for yourself so that we can all come alongside one another. It actually gives them a reason why he tells them to do this. But again, we, so we see the importance of imitating. He says, imitate me, imitate us. And so one thing that we have to understand is there's an emphasis of community, especially within the early church. So intimacy with Jesus, how does that relate? Walking with Jesus is not to be carried out in isolation, but in community. And the idea of imitation Right? Having someone to follow, someone to give an example to us, helps us not only to see how to be like Jesus, it also adds authenticity to the faith. Right? We can throw out a whole bunch of Christian ideas or theological concepts, but in actuality, what does that do for us? Ideas don't change lives, practices do. So when we are imitating others, where what we're demonstrating is that Christianity isn't a faith of just concepts and ideas. It's something of practice, something that changes lives and ourselves and others. 
imitating. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, are we the sort of community worth imitating? Do we live lives worth imitating? So we see walking with Jesus is done through working hard, being in community, right, and living lives worth imitating. Now join me in verse 10. We're going to read verses 10 through 12, and the word says this. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If any of one is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Verse 12. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. And so one thing that I want us to harp on is Paul is speaking to people who are able to work but are choosing not to. Right? He's not speaking to individuals who just don't have the ability to. He's speaking to those who are like, you know you're able to, but you're choosing not to. And again, I'm going to go, there's a reason why he's emphasizing that so much. But the thing that I want us to hit on really quick is this idea of working quietly. Working quietly. And so I want to read a story from the early church, a little bit of early church history. And it's from a book called The Waters from a Deep Well, just a book about church history. And the author, he, he accounts the early church movement, I'll use that word if that's okay, by saying this. Christians maintained close contact with family, friends, neighbors, and co-workers, which provided a large pool of potential converts who found the small but vital movement attractive. Living mostly in cities, Christians bartered in the same markets, drew water from the same wells, worked in the same shops, and lived in the same kinds of apartments as everyone else. They did not use organized rallies, high-profile evangelists, and big-budget programs to win recruits. If anything, Christians maintained a low profile to avoid public notice. The church thus attracted outsiders through natural networks of relationships. So Paul's not only calling the church to work hard, but to work quietly, humbly, in humility. Not wanting to get applause or praise or be the center of attention, but just to simply be faithful in our work, not looking for the applause. And this is actually what we see attracted people to the early church. So now join me in verse 13. We're going to get to the reason why he is emphasizing why we should work hard. Or why we should work and not be idle. Verse 13, he says this. As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with him that he may be ashamed. Verse 15. This is the important part. Well, an important part. Verse 15. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. Right? So he's saying, hey, the person, excuse me, the person who is being idle, who is choosing not to work, don't just throw them out, right? View them as a sibling. Take them in. Hold them accountable. Right? Again, emphasizing community. Walking with Jesus isn't done in isolation, but in community. What's a result of community? 
accountability. And that's what he's getting at. And so, again, we're going to hit church history a little bit hard today. I ran across this, uh, this story of the early church in the early Roman Empire. In the early Roman Empire, in AD 165 and AD uh, 250, two plagues took, took over the Roman Empire. Well, the plague was killing Christians and non-Christians. It was taking out everyone. But it's interesting is Christians stood out because of their, what they did for everyone else. And so you're saying, why, does, why do I keep emphasizing working, or why does Paul keep talking about this? Because he's saying, what he's saying is that it's important to, to work or be doing something, not being idle. Because one, well, the big reason is because you can help others. By working, you can help others out financially, those who are in need, and then also you're able to provide a service for other people. And so this is what we see in the early church. When these plagues ran rampant in the Roman Empire, especially AD 250, we see the early church, like I said, kind of invade the environment. It was, like I said, knocking everyone out. And this is what a bishop from his pulpit uh, said in the midst of this plague. As he was preaching to his congregation, he said this. He said, He continually makes his son rise and impart sudden rain to nourish the seeds. He refers to God the Father, showing all these kindness, kindnesses, not merely to his own friends. Should not one who professed to be a son of God imitate the example of his father? It is proper for us to correspond to our birth, and it, and it does not mean become those who are clearly reborn in God to be degenerate, but as a son, the descendant of a good father should rather prove the imitation of his goodness. Now, it's a lot of old English there. Right? But what was happening in this early plague is the bishops were cut up in their pulpit and say, hey, look at what God did for us. Look what the Son imitated for us and the Father's love for us. Now, you go imitate him to those in need in this plague. That's what he was saying. That's what priests or bishops were saying in the midst of this plague that wiped out over, over a quarter of the population. Another quote here from another bishop said this, For they were infected by others with the disease, referring to Christians, drawing on themselves the sickness of their neighbors and cheerfully accepting their pains. Many, in nursing and curing others, transferred their death to themselves and died in their stead, turning the common formula that is normally an empty courtesy into a reality. So again, I know a lot of old English here, but I'm just reharping the idea of what Paul is getting at. And the reason he's emphasizing, hey, don't be idle, be responsible, right? And the reason is because we can be able to help others out financially, those who are in need, and we can offer a service to others who are in need. And what's another, what's a modern day example of this? ESL. ESL is a perfect example of this, right? We, uh, praise God, we have a congregation of people who, who've worked hard for a long time and are continue to work hard and we're able to kind of come together, right, and provide a service to a community that is in need of something. And it's learning English. Well, what's a big reason why we're trying to show them how to learn English? So they can work and provide for their own families. Right? A lot of people who come to the United States move here, right? they're just trying to, they're trying to make it. They're trying to make a living, provide for their families, and work hard. Right? 
And so what's a service they need? They, they have to learn how to English, right? Because again, what's heartbreaking is that many who don't know English are taken advantage of by their employers. Right? They get paid what they, they don't get paid what they should, right? They're, and so they're treated poorly because of this. So what we do is like, hey, all right, there's a need in the community. How about this? How about we work, come together, and provide a service to the people who to help them, to take care of them, to provide for them, right? And for those who are on Wednesdays, we even provide little snacks and foods, right? We know water and snacks and that stuff doesn't grow on trees, right? It takes money. And so the ESL is a perfect example of just this not being idle, coming together in community, working and providing a service to those who need it. It's a form of care. It's a form of loving your neighbor. And so the question we have to ask is, though, is why do we do this? Why, why, why should we do this? Why should we be in community? Why should we work as hard as we can in whatever environment we're in? Why should we read scripture when we can, pray when we can, right? Why should we not be idle? Because Christ wasn't. In Luke chapter 4, when Jesus is kind of starting off his ministry, he shows up in a synagogue and he lets the people know why he's come. And he says this in Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 21. It says, And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. Verse 18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim new, good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, and to set liberty to those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Again, what's really interesting and beautiful about Jesus is that the God of the universe took on flesh, and he didn't come and seek power or majesty. He came as a carpenter, and he cared for those who need caring, those who are oppressed and marginalized, and he worked. And so this is why Paul is saying this. He's saying, be in community. Work hard so that you can love and care for others. Because God did. And that's our motivation. That's the standard. And so, again, I ask, are we, are we a community worth imitating? And so how do we walk in closeness or in intimacy with Jesus as we just seek to be faithful through ordinary day life. We work hard when we can, we read scripture when we can, we read, pray when we can, and we try to be in community as much as possible. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father,